January 15th, 2021. Alrighty, Overtimers, week two of the new year, we made it. You good? Know anyone who has gotten the shot? Me? A couple. Sounds like your arm is out of commission for the day, but other than that, I am ready. Second week, dropping video Thursday, audio Friday, St. Louis 7 Tuesday. Initial response from you guys and gals has been positive. I'm old school, still prefer the audio over the video, but we'll stick to this for the next couple weeks and see what happens. Really enjoyed today's talk with an old friend, Rob Fisher. Longtime sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies. He got his break at St. Louis's first all-sports radio station, KASP, where we had a monster overnight show together, Chuckle Chuckle. Lots of St. Louis name dropping, fun stories. Based on the response from the video release yesterday, the main question is, what's the favorite sports memory you have with your dad? If Trump can still run for office after all of this, we wasted precious time. Looks like another 1600 per adult is going to find the U.S. before St. Patrick's Day. Small businesses, take the little they gave you, give you, and try to budget that thing out to make the summer. I miss Mizzou basketball. Oh, Blues are undefeated. Three things you should, if you have not, on Prime, saw the Mad About You reboot. Welcome back, Paul and Jamie. I'll tell you this, the reboot was better than the last two seasons of the original. I also enjoyed how they toned down Jamie a little. Number two on Hulu, Frank Serpico. Think the 1973 Al Pacino movie, but this is the actual guy. My goodness, the corruption. I was surprised to see how much of the theatrical movie played true to what actually happened. It's a small miracle he lived to tell the story. Okay, here's where I ask you to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. Look it up under OT with Oliver, which is also my Twitter handle. Gets fun conversations in front of more ears. Let's just keep building this, folks. Subscribe, post, forward, subscribe. Lastly, we talk a lot about KASP with Rob in this episode, which morphed into 590 The Fan. If it's been a while, give it another chance. Steve Savard is on 1 to 3, front of the podcast. Bernie Miklas, 3 to 6. That station gets 400,000 monthly downloads and streams. If you're interested in growing your business, DOliver at 590thefan.com. So, Rob Fisher. This was fun. It had been way too long since Rob and I had caught up. No reason, just life. We talked Klaibs, Rammer, Rich Gray, Jack Snow, and you know what I liked the most? Stories about his dad, John Goodman, and how his daughter Keegan got her name. Welcome to the Overtime family again, Rob Fisher. Let's go to Overtime. Overtime with Oliver, with my dad. Tell your friends. But I'm representing. Got a little steamer action like going on. I like it. I got one of those. Good buddy of mine here in Memphis. He played for the steamers, like the second generation steamers, the one out in St. Charles steamers. Right. He's my daughter's coach. Okay. Love her <laughs> podcast, by the way. <laughs> that was fun. No, we had uh, Ebert, Carl Rose, and Petra on an episode. Nice. It was fun. It was fun. Representing the Cardinals in the back. I like that over your left shoulder. Up here? Football yeah. Cardinals? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Man, I was trying to remember. I think the last time uh, – we're recording, by the way. I think the last time I saw you, I was in Memphis having lunch with David Green, and you popped by. Was that the last time I saw you? Probably. It's been a long time. 
couple lifetimes ago. No kidding. Dave, Dave Green living here was a lifetime ago. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. Good. Like everybody else surviving, man. I was reading up on you a little bit in preparation for the episode. You're back to your Kevin Slayton glory PA days. <laughs> man, I shared that story last week because I, uh, when I was in eighth grade, we had a, like a, you know, the president's day when you, you did all the awards and you, you did all the athletic events and the, you know, the push-ups and the pull-ups and the, and the run the 50 yard dash and all that stuff. And then you had awards afterwards. And I did my impression of Kevin Slayton, PA announcer to introduce all of us and to give out the awards. And then it turned out Kevin Slayton was like the guest that we had and he showed up and it was a really cool moment for me as a kid. And then I get older and I work with Kevin Slayton and then I did PA announcing for the, uh, the ambush early in their tenure. I was doing PA announcing for them and I was, you know, it was awesome. I, I was doing PA announcing. I always admired Kevin for the job that he did doing it. Uh, you know, so I was like 19, 20 years old doing PA announcing for the ambush at the time. Didn't do it again until about two weeks ago <laughs> and for an NBA game. And it freaked me out. It freaked me out. It was for two preseason games for the Grizzlies. And, you know, because of everything going on, they, they were down a couple of guys and it was a desperate situation and they needed somebody and they felt like they could trust me doing it. And I was terrified though, man. I was like, this is the NBA. What if I make somebody angry or what if you know, something goes wrong or I say the wrong thing? But it was, it was a lot of fun. I got into it and you know, my boss told me, he was like, you don't have to go just be you. And I was like, Oh, if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going <laughs> to lean into that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had fun with it for a couple of games, but it's hard work, man. That PA announcing you actually have to pay attention to the whole game and pay pay attention to everything that's going on because you know you have to call the fouls you got to call the out of bounds you got to call the baskets made and it's like you can't just look away for a minute so it was it was hard work I'm glad to be back where I'm at <laughs> talking about the ambush you still got the ring absolutely I still have the ring you... I like to pull it out I like to pull it out for that special occasion Memphis Grizzlies game you know playing the Lakers or something pull out the ring and just remind everybody, this is what you play for. <laughs> I've been there. I know. I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I still have it. I wear it occasionally. Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, you get the two kids. We'll talk about that in a little while. But, you know, I'd be bringing that thing out to every third grade show and tell that I could ever go to. When I first moved to Memphis, I did – I was the Tigers, Memphis Tigers football analyst on television. And I, I, I played in camp my freshman year of high school. That's it. <laughs> and I'm an analyst. And I was like, okay, well, how can I make it look like I played football? I wore the ring. <laughs> I wore the ring. Did a lot of this when I was talking. <laughs> hey, if you've got the bling – Use it, yeah. man. I mean, they didn't know it was a soccer ring. Maybe they thought it was football. Maybe they thought I played. 
Well, Fish, thanks for the time. This is a small podcast. It's, you know, trying to document St. Louis. We've had uh, a lot of guys that you know on, and I reached out to you on Facebook. God love Facebook. It's the easiest way to keep in touch with people. Born and raised in St. Louis. Where'd you go to high school, man? St. Louis U High. And then SLU is a collegiate as well, correct? That's right. St. Louis University and uh, went there for a couple of years and then started working in radio and doing that over, overtime show <laughs> on the radio with uh, you and myself and Terry back, uh, yeah, way back, lifetimes ago. You play baseball there, right? Uh, played is a loose term. Um, I was on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had uh, I had memorable at bat. Uh, in my two years of being redshirted, one redshirted, one a medical redshirt, and uh, I got one at bat. We were playing UAB, and we were down like ten nothing in the sixth inning or so. And you know, I wasn't playing; I was redshirted. I didn't even have my jersey on; just had a warm up on and the pants on and my turf shoes. And coach came up and asked if I wanted to hit, and I was, I was fired up, you know. But I, I had to had to put my jersey on and button it up and then put my spikes on and find my gloves and find my bat. And by the time I was ready, I just step on the on-deck circle. The guy in front of me is out. So now, <laughs> so now I'm going up there and this guy throws sidearm and gas. And I was like, oh, it just looks like it's just a straight sidearm fastball. I, I'm, this is, okay, let's go. So I look down to coach for the signs, and he just kind of looks at me like, all right, go. <laughs> so I dig in, and I'm all ready. First pitch is a fastball right down the middle. I swing as hard as I can. Swing right through it. Hit myself on the helmet with the bat. Yell out an expletive rather loudly. Look down to third base for the sign on 01. <laughs> coach just looks at me and goes, <laughs> I think that's when you're supposed to call your shot. So next pitch is the same pitch, same thing, same result. Hit myself in the head again, yell out another expletive. Meanwhile, Father Biondi, president of the school, he's in attendance for the first time all season. Debbie Yao, athletic director, she's in attendance, I think, for the first time all season. And I'm up there screaming like a maniac. And so now the, I'm ready for the third pitch, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to try and throw me heat again, or he's going to bring it upstairs. So I'm going to step up in the box a little bit, make him think, I think a curveball is coming. So he's going to throw gas, and I'm, I'm going to time it, and I'm going to be on it. This dude pulls the string on me so bad that I'm out on my front foot. I flail with one hand at it. I miss it. The catcher misses it. It's going – it's rolling towards our dugout. The catcher takes off to run after the foul or after the ball. I take my bat and I throw it towards our dugout, which is in the direction of the catcher. I hit him in the back of the leg. I look at the umpire who still doesn't call me out, and I'm like, oh, hell, now I got to run. So I turn around and I run to first, and he throws me out by 10 feet. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, Coach Bob Hughes told me I'd never hit again. <laughs> <laughs> And I did not, but I hold two NCAA records, lowest batting average and highest strikeout percentage in the history of the game. I got, so like, I got that going. I got visions of Tom Lawless, you know, the big shot and the big swing. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Very similar, but different. <laughs>
How's your dad doing? Everybody still good? My dad passed a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it was, it was fast. It was cancer and it was fast. Um, that was a couple of years ago. Mom's doing well. She's in St. Louis still. My sisters are in St. Louis and, uh, get up there as much as I can and, you know, take my kids up there so they can see the kids. And, uh, you know, it's been obviously for the last 10 months, it's been a little more difficult. We did get to see him at Christmas a little bit and everybody masked up. So it was awkward. It was weird, but everything's kind of weird. So, um, but you know, hopefully soon we'll be able to see him a little bit more than we have. From afar, I always admired the relationship you had with your dad. Uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, he was my coach growing up. So I got to play shortstop and pitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the one, the one, the, I, the, the thing, the thing that I always, especially in my later years, loved about my dad is that he, he listened to my radio show every day. You know, he lived up in uh, the Quad Cities, and he he would listen to my show in Memphis every single day. He was my biggest fan. He got the he got the NBA package so he could watch Grizzlies games every day. Um, and he'd call and he'd just talk about the game. And you know, my my fondest memory is when I was a freshman in high school, my first at bat in high school baseball. I wasn't supposed to play, and the guy who was supposed to start was hurt, so I got to start. And uh, the first pitch that I swung at, I hit it out of the park. Only home run I've ever, ever hit in my life over, over a fence. I mean, and it was my first swing in high school. And my dad had it on videotape, and he's crying as I'm going around the bases. And, <laughs> you know, watching that as a freshman in high school, you're embarrassed. You're like, oh, dude, oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, now growing up and having kids and everything, that was a, that's, that was a cool moment. And my other – my favorite sports moment with my dad was when Mark McGuire broke – uh, Roger Maris's record and it was you know that that year was such a magical ride of you know in in breaking the, the the one unbroken record in all of sports I mean you really thought it would never be touched and when he broke that record and I was sitting down in the right field by the right field bullpen in the wagon gate and I was sitting there and I had a great view of the ball just sneaking over that left field wall and as soon as it did, I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I just kind of had this feeling of, you know, you just saw history made. And it, I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. And all I did was pick up the phone and call my dad. And uh, I was like, you watching this? And he's, he said, yes, his wife was a Cubs fan. So they were watching it, and watching it together. And I called him. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I had to call him. This is amazing. <laughs> And uh, so that, that was a really cool moment uh, that I had with him with sports. So you've been doing this now 20-plus years. For those who don't know, sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you remember the day Bob Ramsey said, hey, why don't you come by KSP and see what we can do? Yeah, I was uh, doing work study at St. Louis University my work study was basically I worked in the athletic department and I did some PA announcing uh, for like women's volleyball and basketball and field hockey. And I mean, everything that I could do, I would do it. And I got to know Bob's 
wife, Jen, she played on the volleyball team at the time. So I got to know her. So I had met Bob and then uh, playing baseball for the team. I was the hurt guy and Bob would come out and work out with the team. The hurt guy, I was the one that got to play catch. <laughs> so it was, uh, so I got to know him and, you know, I told him what I wanted to do and he, uh, he invited me to come on over and, you know, get an internship and, and, uh, and I did. And, you know, I, I was 19 years old. There were, I think, nine all sports stations in the country at the time. And, you know, it was, it was the right place, the right time. And I mean, everything, everything worked out. I got to do what I dreamed of doing as a kid. Not to put you on the spot, but you got a good Bob imitation. I don't, I don't. <laughs> he's a, He's a tough one to imitate because he imitates so much. <laughs> you know what's great so, about him? He's so factual when he does the playback. He's off to his right. He's got a guy in the left corner. He's not going to pass it to him. He's going over to the middle. Now he goes back to the center. Center seven foot tall. He's up against a six eight guy. I mean, he's just so everything. And I ad- admire it. And I'm hopefully giving him a compliment. He's just factual. And it comes out so smooth. Slew's having a good year. Uh, yeah. I have not had him on the show yet, but I know that you guys were close when you were here. Absolutely. And, and, uh, still today. And, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, obviously he's a big reason why I got in the business and he, he's, he's a guy that I always looked up to doing play by play and, um, doing a radio show, sports radio show. It was, you know, something that I always wanted to do. And, uh, you know, and and he was, I was, I was in his, I was in his wedding. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great relationship with Bob. And, you know, it was, it was fun to grow through all those years of, you know, working together. And then I went out on my own for a little bit and then I came back and being able to work with him when I came back was, was great. And then, uh, you know, and then to have his blessing when I went off, I mean, the, the thing that, thing that, gives me joy with what I do is guys like Rammer and guys like Mike Claiborne. When, when they tell me they're proud of me, that, that, that means a lot to me because uh, they meant, they meant a lot to me and, and really guided me to where I am today. You're the most famous alumnus of overtime. <laughs> I could put that on the resume for sure. <laughs> I, I, I saw John Goodman at a Grizzlies game last year or two years ago, I guess it was in New Orleans and went up and introduced myself. And, you know, anytime you go up and introduce yourself to people like that, you know, the first thing on their mind is, Oh God, what does this guy want? You know, and I'm holding a microphone and he's probably, oh. and I just went up to him, put my hand out. And I said, John, I'm from Afton. And he just started laughing. He got up, gave me a hug. He was like, how are you doing, man? Great to meet. I said, I bet we're the only two in the building from Afton. And I told, I told them I like to tell people I'm the second most famous person from Afton. <laughs> what, was, was, what was Terry's last name? Harding. Thank you. I was trying so hard to remember that. You know, because that illustrious Midnight to Two show was such yeah. a game buster. Do you remember what was the number one rule? I don't remember. If uh, you were occupied with a lady, you could be late. <laughs> that's how professional we were i don't think any of us were ever late <laughs> <laughs> i 
I haven't thought about this in forever. I was trying to think about something that I could bring up. The only thing I could remember was at that time, if you just hung around long enough, you could get on the air. So you, Earl Austin Jr., Brian McKenna, a whole bunch of people who got a career or, you know, made money at least doing it, as you talked about, only nine all-sports radio stations at the time. I didn't know that, by the way. Nice, nice little factoid for you there. It was crazy. Do you remember the chaos or the organized chaos at the time? Absolutely. I mean, it was, um, you know, it was new. And it was, uh, is, is, can this actually profitable? And is it even worth it? And so you had a lot of people like myself working for me. You know, I mean, it was, it was an internship for, for a long time. I, I think it was six months that I, you know, wasn't getting paid. And then, and then started to get paid. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world that I was getting paid to do this. And, you know, that you, the guys that you mentioned, you know, just came in for the opportunity. And it's amazing how many of them are still around. Uh, and still doing stuff in the business, um, you know, and that, that's really cool to see. But yeah, it, it was chaotic, and you know, ASP didn't last very long, but it really laid the groundwork. And you know, Rich Gray is a guy that deserves a lot of credit, and you know, it was uh, it, it laid the groundwork for KFNS, and, and KFNS soon, or yeah, KFNS soon followed, and uh, you know, to be a part of that was was great because it it. You know, KSP was so in an infant, you know, an infancy stage really throughout, not really knowing how to do it. Um, you know, we made it work and we made it to where it was interesting enough to work again and has worked to this day. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy to think back at, that it's, you know, it's gone through changes, different stations have been added. KFNS has changed back and forth a couple times, but it, what's amazing to me is still seeing the same faces <laughs> and hearing the same voices in St. Louis is quite remarkable. You mentioned Rich Gray. We talk about him often on the podcast. You got a good Rich Gray story? Mm. Uh, other than just just a gentleman, man. I mean, just a guy that I admired. I, uh, I, I mean, I was, I was so young that I was intimidated. You know, at first I was intimidated by any adult figure, <laughs> you know, I was, I was just trying to be a leech, you know, on a wound. Uh, but, but boy, he was, he had a vision. He was, he was just admirable. He was, he was, he was a good person to look up to. And, you know, I, I, I think that was that was important in my life at, at that point, you know, trying to go from college student to try and be an adult who go from being a sports fanatic who was collecting autographs and baseball cards to being a professional. I mean, I needed I needed adult supervision and guidance around me. And, and we had a great, great group of people, you know, between Rich and, and Klaibs and rammer and you know i mean these these guys they were you know i, I like to say they they molded me you know and and uh and they were they were great people to to look up to and, and great people to follow and, uh, i remember it was so new 
that when you were talking, you being plural, not Rob, but just in general, announcers, and the caller would go, that's a great question. And we'd look at each other and we'd be like, hey, we asked a good question. They like what we're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're, we have the San Diego chicken on the air, and he says it's a great question, and we couldn't be more excited. That's right. And the, the callers would be like, I know you got to go to a break, but I wanted to slide this in real quick. And we'd be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to a break when we want. What do you mean? <laughs> the only show I really wanted to bring up, do you remember the Christmas Eve show we did where we had a whole bunch of people calling in and we took care of the long distance calls? We were taking right. calls from like Hawaii. We were taking calls right. from all like different places. We got had people that would call their loved ones. Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah, we'd pick up the that probably is That's probably what put the station under. <laughs> Kim Hibbs would be like, the next week, that phone bill, I need to take that all out of your paychecks. Exactly. That's before you could actually call people and text people. That's right. That's right. Jeez. From KFAN, you went to, what was it? ESP, no, it, was, it was from KSP. You went to KFAN, right? I went to KFNS, and then I went to, uh, I was there, I guess, a uh, couple of years. And then I went to Las Vegas for a couple of years before I came back. What's it like to host a six-hour daily talk show? It was uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting. I mean, it, it, at that age, I was twenty, I was twenty-five when I moved to Las Vegas. Or no, I was twenty-three when I moved to Las Vegas. I was twenty-three years old. I'm doing a national show. This is before internet. You know, this is this is when there was one sports center a night. And basically you got your information from USA Today, uh, uh Sports Center, and the ticker and magazines. I mean that was that was everything. And uh it certainly taught me how to prepare. Um and Bob Bob Ramsey used to say it all the time, and it, I still use the phrase today, um, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Hmm. And I, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm one that always prepares and, you know, to me doing a three hour show, which I had done up until, you know, almost two years ago now, um, it was nothing. I mean, I, I'd prepare to do six. So getting through three was easy, but cause I was always ready. I mean, for the Grizzlies, we do a half hour pregame show. I'm prepared to go about an hour, hour and a half. I mean, I, I put in much more work into 30 minutes than probably need to. But for me to be comfortable, that's how I prepare. And I've always done it that way. And, you know, that's, uh, that, I, that, that certainly came my way learning in Vegas how to prepare for a six-hour show. I mean, you, you, you couldn't leave yourself naked in six hours. You had to, you had to be ready to talk for six hours straight. And it was, it was tough. But it was it was an unbelievable experience. Hundred yard dash. I've been running a marathon for the last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was nothing. Come back one to two hours. <laughs> sure, two hours. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I say Jack Snow. You say <laughs> legend. Um, one of my favorite people of all time. He. Uh, 
just a just a great dude. I mean, I you know he he's the guy that I give credit to everything that I learned and appreciate about football. I learned from Jack Snow, and for a guy who you know is that good of a player, is that good of a person, is that good of a member of an organization, which Jack Snow was with with the Rams both in Los Angeles and in St. Louis, what he was to that organization, for him to take the time out to help a 27-year-old basically learn the game of football was, you know, it, it, was, it was amazing. He, he was an amazing man and, uh, you know, considered him a great friend. He was, he, he, was, he was the best. Love Jack Snow, for sure. What'd you learn from Claves? Hmm. A lot, man. Life lessons. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, he's my mentor. He's, and we talk all the time and uh, text a lot and talk about the business. And, you know, I was saying earlier about, you know, when you get that, uh, when, when you get that message about being proud, you know, what it means to me. And I, I got one from Mike last week and it was a long text message and it was, uh, you know, it meant a lot to me because I know he, I know he's proud of me and I know he had a lot to do with it. So he, you know, I, I try to make him proud and, um, you know, I love him. I, I, I love him like he's family and I, I consider him family and, you know, it's, uh, he, he, he just, he meant, he meant the world to me. Um, I, I would, for with life advice work advice um just advice on everything i mean the man has he's been there for me through really hard times in my personal life and through uh you know through some of the great times that i've had in my life he's he's been right there with me and uh i'll forever be thankful how long have you been married uh it'll be nine years in march everybody likes a good proposal story do you have a good proposal story no, I don't. Um, no, it was no, I don't. It's it's terrible. I don't. We uh, we 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 had a baby. We were planning on getting married. We were con talking about getting married. We were just waiting for the right time to get married, and then we ended up having a child. And so we just a couple months before the child was born, just thought, let's do this. Let's do it now. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And the next day, we got married. And uh, it was nice. It was it was nice. It was private. It was it was it, it wasn't a headache. It was um, it was great. It was it was how we wanted it. <laughs> to be honest with you, and uh, it wasn't you know, a headache. That's like a bumper sticker. You got to copyright that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, it was. But I have no good proposal story other than hey, you want to do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> So that leads into my Rob Fish is a great guy story. Do you remember Susan Goldack? Yeah, I do remember Susan Goldack. Do you remember the night that I met my future wife? I don't. We were at Maggie O'Brien's. Susan Goldack was with my wife, Anna. I think <laughs> for the first time in your life, you played wingman. I got to hang out <laughs> with Anna for like about a half an hour. You took one for the team. And then, I don't know, a couple years later, what, what, what did you just say? What was your bumper sticker? It wasn't a headache? Right. 
and I got engaged. <laughs> so, in our household, Rob Fisher lore is that you entertained Susan while Ann and I got to talk with each other and got to know each other and exchange pager numbers. Remember those? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I went to grade school with Susan Goldack. <laughs> so you get credit. Hey, 24 plus years, man. We're, we're doing wow. what we can. Very nice. Congratulations. Yeah. So you moved to Memphis in 2002. Yeah. How did that come about, man? Um, Dave Green had moved to Memphis. And uh, they, they were... They were wanting to have a really good sports station, but they they had the personnel, but it just it was raw and better. And they brought Dave in to make it better. And uh, Dave called me with an opportunity to do the afternoon drive, and uh, it was a good opportunity. Money was good, and you know I was I had kind of I don't know I had kind of had it. I was ready to move on. I was ready to take the next step and, uh, and hosting an afternoon drive show was the next step. And, uh, I made the move and, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> it, it, at first it was a very interesting move because you have to get used to the city that you live in. <laughs> and, and that took a little while to get used to the city that I live in as far as the sports fans are concerned. Uh, because here it's completely different. You know, it's, it's SEC football first and foremost. It's Memphis Tigers basketball. It's Memphis Grizzlies basketball. And, you know, when I moved here, the Grizzlies were only two years old here. So it still really wasn't Memphis Grizzlies basketball at that point. It was, it was fun and there were crowds, but it, it, it wasn't what engaged the city. Um, you know, it was funny. The first show that I did in Memphis, Dave Green and I did the show together and we were at the pyramid for Grizzlies Media Day. And it was a great show. We, we were on three hours. We had every player on the team on. We had the coaching staff on. We had, we talked Grizzlies. It was great. And, you know, it had everybody, all the players. And we felt pretty good about it. Woke up the next morning and in the newspaper, you know, letters to the editor when they used to put that in the sports page. Who are these two Yankees? They didn't even talk college football. <laughs> well, little did we know it being a college football Monday, we weren't supposed to be basketball. We were supposed to be talking college football. And then the next week came, and so we talked college football. Little did we know we needed to talk about all the teams in the SEC. All of them. Not just Ole Miss and Tennessee and the Memphis Tigers. Nope. We had to talk about all the SEC teams and the Memphis Tigers. So it was a quick lesson about what you needed to talk about here in Memphis. And it was, uh, <laughs> we learned that rather quickly. Give me an update on that third string linebacker from Mississippi State. Oh, my God. Well, the worst is the recruiting. I mean, the, the recruiting just blew my mind what people think about that what do you think about that <laughs> that three-star cornerback they got out of molasses huh <laughs> no idea what they're talking about so you've been doing the grizzly thing for 14 plus years were you the youngest at the time sideline reporter in the nba do you know 
I, I got I, a buck that says yes. I don't know. It was probably close. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, when I first started, there there weren't a lot of sideline reporters. They they didn't have them for all the teams, and and a lot of them were older men. Uh, I know that, but I don't I don't know if I was the youngest. I, I'd, I'd be interested to know. I know now. I think I'm the maybe the third longest tenured, maybe or second. I don't know something like. So one of, one of the top five, I know that, as far as tenure is concerned. I would imagine for those who never played in the NBA, you probably got the most tenure. <laughs> that's, that's probably right. <laughs> when did you go all in on the jackets and the shoes and the outfits? Um, it was my second year. We had just fired our head coach. We were terrible. And we were, uh, we were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I had a store called Ed's Men of Fashion. And I saw this blue, baby blue, and the Grizzlies like accent colors, baby blue. It's a baby blue jacket. And on the back had like an imprint, you know, baby blue on baby blue, imprint of a sun. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I got navy pants. I'm going to get that jacket. I'm going to wear that tonight. That jacket's going to look pretty cool. And then when I was getting the jacket, I saw these shoes that were baby blue that matched. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm going all in. I'm getting the shoes too. So I did it. And the response that I got was just, it was incredible. That first night we were playing at Bradley Center and we walked into the arena and the whole dance team was sitting along the sideline. And I just told everybody, I was like, watch this, just tell me what the reaction is. And I just walked in front of them, hand in my pocket, acting like I was on the phone. And I look back and they're all dying laughing. And they told me that every girl was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then the reaction from fans and um, I don't know, it just kind of took off from there. And, you know, I didn't want to, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, be the, I didn't want to be Craig Sager. I, I didn't, I, you know, that was, that's his deal, you know? And so the jacket thing is kind of rare. That that's, I, I have a few jackets that are, that have some flair and peacock a little bit, but my thing's the shoes and it's been the shoes ever since. And, you know, I got shoes to match every tie that I got. So um, there's about 60, 65 pair of dress shoes that I got that, I rotate during the grizzly season and uh, that's kind of become my thing. And every once in a while I'll throw on a little jacket to match. And, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's kind of my thing and it's kind of cool to go around the league and you have security guards from other arenas and players from other teams and fans from other cities uh, who, you know, they, they remember you when you come back and they act like you're their friend, you know, and, and they talk to you or they give you hell and whatever the case. Uh, it's, it's kind of, I guess, what I became known for <laughs> around the NBA. Rob, it's got to be the shoes. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it, it's really cool that I, I've gotten to, gotten to know Clyde Frazier, uh, who, who dresses – as, as gaudy as any I mean look up Walt Frazier Google Walt Frazier and see what that man wears to an NBA game every single night so 
I've gotten his attention with it, and he's been <laughs> he he always gets a kick out of it when we show up in New York and we get our picture together and and everything. So that's been kind of a cool moment every time uh, we get to go to the garden uh, to see him and see what he thinks about my attire that night. So you grew up in St. Louis, no NBA team. When I went to Salt Lake City, I ran a couple all sports radio stations out there, and I went to every jazz game. I kind of got numb to how athletically superior these guys are. It's like there's one play every day, every game, where you're like, how in the F did he pull that off? When you went to Memphis, had you seen a lot of NBA games? I'm guessing no. And if the answer is no, what struck you immediately about the NBA game? The answer is no. Um, you know, we had a couple exhibitions, I guess, in St. Louis um, that I had seen, but that was it. Um, you know, and I was, I was a fan of college basketball. And I was like a lot of people in cities that don't have NBA teams. It just looks too easy. They make it look too easy, and they don't care until the end of the game. And watching it on TV just doesn't do it justice. Um, that first time when you sit close and you watch them in person to see their size, to see the athleticism at that size, to see how physical the game is, it's incredible to watch. And like you said, I like to tell people every night in the NBA, you'll see something you've never seen before and that you probably couldn't have imagined happening. It's incredible. And, I mean, to, to watch, you know, the, the guys up close, two guys that, you know, have always stood out to me that I was just amazed by their size were Shaq and Yao Ming. I mean, you know, a lot of times when you see guys that are seven six, seven five, and we don't see a lot of them, but when you do, they're tall and lanky and kind of uncoordinated. Yao Ming was seven six, and he was built from head to toe like a guy who's seven six. I mean, he was – his size was just – I mean, it was outstanding. And then to see how athletic he could be and just, you know, the soft touch and just being a professional athlete, it's, it's an amazing game to watch. And, you know, I was a hockey guy. I wasn't an NBA guy. Um, but watching the NBA, I've fallen in love with the NBA. And, and it's it, because they do amaze me. Those players amaze me every single night I watch them play. Um, to be able to do what they do and to get up and down the floor the way that they do. It's, uh, it, 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 TV doesn't do it justice. If you've never been to an NBA game, I advise going and doing an NBA game. And you'll see, see it in person what, you know, what we're talking about. Because it's uh, – it's an incredible game, and the, the, the athletes are unlike any other athletes in the world. They really are. What I like about good sideline reporters, and I put you in that group, is you connect the arc. So play-by-play -play guys, they got to call the action. You got your color commentators. They go to the sideline guy. He's supposed to finish the sentence that was just said and then lead you into the next one. Do you think about that kind of thing when you're doing your thing, man? I, I mean, I, I think that makes sense because normally, you know, the guys will be talking and I'll, you know, I'll tell our producer, hey, I got something to add. And I'll add because I heard, talked to coach about it or I talked to one of the players about the exact thing they're talking about. So 
they'll talk about a subject and then I'll come in and say, hey, I was talking to so-and-so the other day who, you know, when talking about that said this and kind of leads into other things. I, the, the thing that I mainly think about when I do my job is two things, inform and entertain. Um, you know, I, I, I think for me to do my job right, I need to give people something that they don't have by just watching the game on TV. You know, everybody can watch the game on TV, and, but I want to I give you something that you don't know while you're watching the game on TV. Something that you can't learn unless I tell you. Uh, you know, I, I've been lucky with every coach that I've had with the Grizzlies to allow me to be in the huddle during timeouts and have that trust in me to be in the huddle during timeouts. And to be able to bring that to fans, I think is really cool because it's a perspective that they don't normally get. And to, to have an idea, you know, you can see what's going on in the huddle with actions and things, but you don't really know what's being said. So to be able to relay that to people is fun. And I think that that's part of informing. And then the other thing is entertaining. You know, we, we try to make it entertaining. We try to have fun. We, our crew, uh, Pete Pranica and Brevin Knight, they do play-by-play -play in color, and they've been together 10 years. Uh, Pete and I have been together for all 14. And, uh, you know, we, we get along really well. We play off each other really well, and we try to entertain. You know, we, we, want, we want people to watch, and whatever the game is, whether it's a blowout or it's a great game, we want people to be entertained. So sometimes get a little silly and sometimes get a little fun, but you know, we at least still try to keep it on basketball and, and, and have fun while doing it because, you know, we want people to tune in the next game. We want them to tune in for the pregame show because we think it's pretty entertaining. And, you know, we, we try to be as close to the, the TNT guys as we can. And, you know, cause they're the best. They're the, they're the standard when it comes to basketball. And that, that's, that's who we try to emulate. And, um, and I think for the most part, we do a pretty good job of it. Permission to brag on yourself. Give me a moment where you're like, ah, that was pretty good. I'm glad I did that. <laughs> um, I interviewed Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> was he high? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, he was he was performing in Memphis that night. And uh, the Grizzlies were playing the Lakers. So he had floor seats. And um, he was about two hours late to his show because he never left the game because it was a really good game. So he never left the game and apparently showed up at the, at the hall about two hours late. But I got to interview him. That was pretty cool. Having that picture is pretty neat. Um, just a lot of pictures that I've been able to get are pretty cool moments. Um, you know, being able – I was talking about, you know, Walt Frazier a little earlier. You know, today's birthday is Dominique Wilkins, and he does color for the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. And every time we see Atlanta, you know, he's the first person that I'll seek out. He'll get up and he'll come over and he'll give me a big hug. And I'm like, this is Dominique Wilkins. He's, he was like my favorite player growing up. I love Dominique Wilkins. And now we're like kind of tight. And, uh, you know, I get a bro hug from him every time that I see him. So that's, uh, those, those are cool moments. And, you know, seeing people that that I admire around the league, you know, guys that used to be with the Grizzlies organization that now have moved on somewhere else, you know, seeing them is always fun to see. So 
it's it's kind of fun to now that I've done it for 14 years, you know, being a part of the fraternity a little bit and and being able to have those great stories when you travel, which makes this season so difficult not being able to travel. How was last year in the bubble? We didn't go. Um, we we broadcast the games from FedEx Forum in Memphis, watching them on a monitor and broadcast them remotely. And it was uh, it was strange, but at the time, you know, we were so starved for anything to watch anything at the time that it was it was fine. You know, it was eight it was eight games. You knew it was eight games, and you just did what you did. You just had to do it. But knowing that this season would kind of start the same way, so. Um, it's a little more difficult now uh, than it was in the bubble. In the bubble, you were just excited that there was basketball to talk about. You didn't care. You didn't care how to do it, how you had to do it. But now it's it, it's hard. It's 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 hard. The hardest thing now is not being able to be around the guys. You know, not getting that pregame vibe or not getting the vibe of the timeouts in the huddle. You know, the thing that I think is so important on a broadcast that we just don't get to do that because we can't go near the team. Um, you know, broadcasting last night, broadcasting a game in Memphis in an empty arena that's being played in Cleveland in an empty arena. And and doing that's just still, every time you sit down, it's just kind of weird. And and not being there, is, it's hard. Although if I had to choose Memphis or Cleveland, I probably would pick Memphis. Absolutely, I'd pick Memphis. Although it was snowing in Memphis, not Cleveland last night. So that was that was the problem. All right, so we talk about the pandemic as we get ready to wrap this up, touch base on a couple other things. Your daughter's podcast, what, please pronounce correctly, Keegan? Yep, Keegan. Where'd that come from? The name. (laughs) Um, My wife and I were on the beach, and we were enjoying vacation by ourselves, pre-children, and... uh, Keegan Bradley was about to win the PGA championship and what was a remarkable come from behind win. And I was watching it on my phone while we were out at the beach. And and she was like, what's that name? I was like, his name's Keegan Bradley. And she's like, well, that's a cute name. And I was like, it's a, it's a great name. And I was like, and this dude's about to win this championship. And, had no chance and he, this is an unbelievable story if he wins this thing we should name our first child keegan <laughs> we laugh about it um find out about two weeks later that we're pregnant <laughs> and remembered that story and so keegan was always kind of stuck in our mind and uh you know a lot of other names are brought up to you everybody suggests names for the kids and we just always stuck with keegan and uh we like the name we thought the story you've got a keegan story that's that's right so she's uh you know and if if she was if she turned out to be a boy uh could have named him keegan so we we that's another reason why we really liked the name because uh you know we 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 knew we could use it for either a boy or a girl um, yeah, but she's she's named after Keegan Bradley, actually. <laughs> and is Colton a future quarterback for the Texas Longhorns? <laughs> sure, why not? No, he. Uh, that's just that one. That one's boring. We just it was just a name we liked. <laughs> Red he's flag. Got, 
<laughs> He's got no story. I mean, yeah, that, that's a bad one. Don't bring that one up like at the holidays. Keegan, how'd you get your name? Oh, it's a great story. Colton, <laughs> eh, not so much. <laughs> Are you still involved with M-Power? No, uh, taking a hiatus from that. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they're kind of reevaluating things. It's a sports agency startup in Memphis that uh, I was a part of when I got out of radio. And um, just through the pandemic, they've, they've had to kind of almost start over because they were in it, their infancy. And now, you know, it, it set everything back so far that they're, they're kind of starting over. So uh, I wouldn't say gone for good, but uh, just on hiatus for now. What I read was, at least this is what piqued my curiosity, the only female-owned NBA player agency. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she was an attorney who had a relationship with a lot of the former Grizzlies players who she has represented uh, for certain things. And um, she wanted to become a sports agent. And, you know, I mean, that, that's the thing, too. When you're, when you're just starting up like she, like she is, you know, you, you have to build that, that base. But she is – she's very – She's about the player. She's about family. Um, she's about community. You know, she's not about, hey, here's $5 million. Will you sign with us? And when you're competing against others that do, <laughs> it makes it very difficult, you know. And um, so it's hard. And, you know, I, I think your, your goal at that point is you get some guys who might be second-round guys or you get some guys who are undrafted free agents and you hit on them. Um, and if you hit on them, uh, then you can build a base from there. But it's hard getting off the ground. And I had a, had a few clients, um, a handful of clients that uh, most were playing overseas and doing very well. Uh, that, that's another way to, to in that business to make a lot of money because uh, a lot of players are really good college players. They're just not good enough for the NBA, but they can continue to make money playing professional basketball overseas. So that was a big point of emphasis. So she, uh, you know, she's got the right ideas. She's got the right people around her. And uh, I, I, I believe in her. She's someone that, you know, when she puts her mind to it, she gets things done. Um, so I, I just think this is temporary. And, uh, and you'll, you'll hear from Rebecca uh, someday down the road for sure. You got to find some more John Tay Porters. Find John Tay Porter. That's right. I, we haven't seen John Tay play yet, but – I'm looking forward to the day that he's healthy and can play. What is up with him? Obviously, former Missouri uh, center, played really well when he was healthy. His brother also had some health problems. Is he going to make the roster? I got Missouri fans who listen to the podcast. Is Jonte making the roster? He's on the roster. Um, he made it. Uh, they signed him during the bubble, uh, brought him in just to take a, you know, take a shot at a guy that's got great skill that was hurt. Um, you know, just to kind of call dibs <laughs> on him is what they did. And um, he's, and then they, in the off season, they signed him to a two-year contract. So he's under contract. I think the second year might be a team option, but he's under an NBA contract. He is on the roster. He's just not healthy yet, but, um, but they like him. They, <laughs> they, they, they like what he does off the court. They like his attention to detail and the way that he studies and watches things like that. And they're, excited to see what they got and and hopefully they they got something pretty good that didn't cost them a lot of money for folks who don't have the nba ticket 
and are listening to Rob Fisher going, I remember Rob from St. Louis. What's he up to lately? How can I keep in touch? How can I hear what he's got going on? You've got a podcast, The Odd Couple. Yeah, The Odds Couple on Grind City Media, uh, which is uh, the media outlet for the Grizzlies. Uh, it's called Grind City Media. they got a couple of shows, a couple of daily shows. Uh, mine is a weekly show called The Odds Couple, myself and Lang Whitaker. It's, it's, it's about handicapping SEC football, uh, handicapping the National Football League. And then in the offseason of football, we do special shows for the NBA playoffs, the start of Major League Baseball, uh, the All-Star break, uh, you know, the Masters, the Kentucky Derby. I mean, anything you can bet on, uh, we'll do a show about it. And that's The Odds Couple uh, with myself and Lang Whitaker. You can check that out, The Odds Couple. Uh, and then I just started a new podcast as well with Brevin Knight called Night Court. Uh, Brevin, of course, uh, from Stanford and a uh, first-round draft pick of the Cleveland Cavaliers and played 12 years in the NBA. He's now the TV analyst for the Grizzlies. He and I are doing a podcast called Night Court, and that's uh, Night with a K. So you can uh, subscribe to either one of those wherever you get your podcasts. So doing those and uh, the Grizzlies games are keeping me busy for sure. Stanford grad keeps you on your toes. He's, uh, he's almost too smart for me, man. <laughs> who, am I, who am I kidding? He is too smart for me. You can't, you can't try and get in <laughs> can't, can't get in thinking contest with Brevin Knight. <laughs> Talk about the odds couple, what going on with gambling as we wrap this up, Fish. Fox Sports, Bally Sports channels. What are your thoughts in regards to what's initially going to happen and what you think two, three years from now it'll look like? Well, I, I could talk more about two, three years from now because I'm really not supposed to comment on it because, frankly, I don't really know uh, all the details about it other than, uh, you know, Bally's at some point uh, will be uh, taking over the the regional networks. And um, I, I, I just think it's the way that we're going. I mean, you know, sports betting just in Tennessee oh, two months ago. and it's going to become legal throughout the country before it's all said and done. And to even think of that being a possibility 20 years ago is outlandish. Five years ago, you couldn't get a professional sports league to even put their hands near gambling. And now you see the casinos that are sponsoring. Um, you see now that the NBA is in partnership with the MGM and NBA wants to, you know, at some point have the ability that where you can bet on a game that you're at from your seats. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's the future. It, it, it is the future now that it becomes legal. It's going to be, it's a huge business. It's going to be a huge business around the country. It's a huge business in Canada. Um, it's a huge business already here in Tennessee and it will continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I think you're going to see sports embrace gambling. The NBA already is doing it. The NFL, although wanting to relent for a long time, they will eventually go all in on it. Um, I mean, this is the same league that puts out an injury report for the gamblers. That's why it's the rule to put out the injury report is for betting purposes. So, the NFL will give in. Major League Baseball will do whatever, do it last, but they'll do it at some point. And 
you know, but I think the NBA is kind of leading the charge of, hey, let's embrace it. It's out there. It's legal. Let's embrace it because, you know, the more you embrace it, it doesn't become a problem in your sport. And, and I don't think it will ever be the case. Do you foresee, good or bad, a time where part of your job is going to be to inflect on the odds, meaning that as we head to the second quarter, Memphis is a three-point underdog going into the half, blah, 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 blah. We do. We, we have a segment in our pregame show. It's about a two-minute segment where we show the odds for the game. Um, you know, the favorite, the money line, and the, the over-under. And then I give trends for the game. And then at halftime, we do the same. We come back and we do the same thing. We give the updated lines, updated trends. And, uh, you know, FanDuel bought the, the broadcast this year. And with that, there's a segment in pregame and there's a segment at halftime. And it's presented by FanDuel. I mean, FanDuel and the Grizzlies have entered into a partnership. And I think the Grizzlies were the first team to do that. But now other teams around the league are following suit because they know it's a huge moneymaker. I mean, the money that FanDuel is putting out there is is ridiculous. And um, so they bought the whole broadcast. And, you know, it's like I said, the NBA's embraced it. The Grizzlies have embraced it. And, you know, I've gotten some feedback from people who don't like it. And I, I've got feedback from one gentleman who talked about his brother being an addict and that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't like the segment and he doesn't appreciate it. And, and I just responded to him, said, thank you for your comments. I'll certainly pass it along. Um, but, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. This is how we do it. So uh, it's, 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 it's different. I never, never could have imagined this being real, um, but it's the way it is now. And I think it's only going to get that way more and more. Good stuff, man. As we get ready to do a St. Louis 7 and wrap this up again, for people who like this podcast, might want to listen to, we had Jim Thomas on before, we had uh, Chris Kerber on before, we talked about some similar issues. Here's what I like about Rob, in addition to letting me talk with my wife-to-be. <laughs> you made it, man. You knew you wanted to do it. You put your mind to it. I, I use the term brag on yourself. But for those people out there who feel like they cannot accomplish their life goal, and so let's do the second best thing, tell them your thought process on how you knew this is what you wanted to do, and you got there. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, I, I still have in my my wallet, I don't think I have it on me, but in my wallet, I have, there are three pictures in there. There's one of Jack Buck, Dan Kelly, and there's one of Don Poyer, who was the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies when they were in Vancouver. He moved with the team to Memphis and um, passed away at a young age, uh, about um, four, 15 years ago. Um, passed away while the team was on the road in, in the hotel room. It was tragic. But those three guys, that's who I wanted to be. You know, I, I grew up wanting to be Jack Buck and Dan Kelly. I mean, they were the best. Uh, Jack Buck was the best at whatever he did. Uh, and certainly growing up a St. Louis kid, he was the best at baseball. Uh, Dan Kelly's the, the greatest hockey announcer that I ever remember. Um, you know, and, and 
he, he's, uh, those, those were two guys that I admired and two guys that I wanted to be. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I have a great, great picture. Uh, I always remember when, when Dan Kelly passed away and they did the tribute for Dan Kelly. And there was one great picture at the old arena with his back to the camera. And in front of him is this black and white monitor. And then he's watching over the blues play you know and you're up in the rafters at the old barn and 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 it's just the little black and white monitors the thing that stands out and the first time that I got to do play-by-play of a St. Louis Vipers roller hockey game (laughs) yes I'm laughing with (laughs) with yes I'm in I'm in that same booth and I look and, and I, I, I took the same pose that Dan Kelly had in that picture and, and just kind of looked and I see that little black and white monitor and I look out over the floor and I was like, somebody's got to take this picture. I mean, this, this, is my, this is my moment, you know, and, and, and I have that picture and it's always meant a lot to me because it's, it, that, that was kind of a, I'm on my way to making it moment. And uh, it, it was great. I mean, t- to me, I, you know, the thing that, that I'm proud of myself was that I, I put in the work. I, I'm, I'm getting the results of the work that I put in. And, you know, th- that's, that's what I would always tell people. You know, if you truly want something, you got you to gotta do everything to get it. And whether that's intern, sales, um, what a program director, um, you know, hell go go out and hold you know here in memphis we had (laughs) my boss was running for office i went and sat on a street corner holding up a sign to vote for him i mean (laughs) just (laughs) you know whatever did he win whatever no no never (laughs) but but you know it's it's always working extra days extra hours running the board i mean everything i did everything uh, you know, you can do in the business to get to the point of the business where I be. And, uh, and it was a lot of hard work, but that hard work, it, it'll pay off and reap rewards if you put your mind to it and, and work at it hard enough. All right. Do you have a good time? Everything good? Enjoy it, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun to catch up. Take me out. Uh, give me a Jack Buck. Thanks for your time. <laughs> there he is by the way right here there's me and jack that's how i end every podcast give it to me thanks for your time this time until next time so long everybody <laughs> I, I and you know with that being said and i don't i don't know if it just happened or what but every single grizzlies broadcast the t's will play we start the show, and I start it the same way every time. Good evening, everyone. Every time. Well, it's an honor of Jack. And we talked about Bob Ramsey. He used to be great at the Brent Musburger-like paragraph before the game starts. You know, he would oh, always, yeah. we're in snowy Philadelphia as the seventh-rake slew Billikens. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to do that Absolutely. all the time. And I don't, I, oh, yeah. I gotta apologize. I don't know if he took it from Musburger, but it was just like one of those as we look down on Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I have to write one of those for every game. 
And uh, but Bob's are Bob's are great. Always had a great tease for sure. Hey, fish too. By the way, you got a little bit of a twang now. Not a lot, a little bit. Yeah, I know, I know. My daughter's gonna have one. I know that for sure. But I'll throw y'all out there a lot, and yeah, people back home they don't they don't they don't understand when I throw out a y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's go do a St. Louis Seven. Appreciate the time. All right, buddy. Thanks. Okay, another one for the books. Rob St. Louis 7 is dropping Tuesday on YouTube at the channel OT with Oliver. Thanks for subscribing to that and to this. See you next Thursday. Inauguration is Wednesday. Hope those 20,000 troops sleeping on the Capitol floor were just there for show. As we do and did in this episode, thanks for your time this time. Till next time, so long.